Our life, your life, my life is a journey of hope and it's a journey of the future. And you and I want to fulfill that hope and future that God has set before us, have we not? Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. If you have your Bibles quickly, time is going late and I want to get us to the building and to lunch without losing interest. A Journey of Hope is a new series. Uh, I cut short the other series we were doing and, and I want to do this series. I was I was a staff meeting last Monday with Pastor Ray and Pastor Jewel, Pastor Honey, as she's affectionately being called now, my wife. And uh, we were there and talking about different things and, and uh, just discussing sermons and messages. And, and they had made a statement, and I can't remember exactly what the statement was, but immediately God draw, dropped this thought into my heart and thought, okay, God, it sounds to me like we're taking a shift. We're shifting. And so that's what we're doing today. And I make a statement, and I want to write it down. If you've seen the, uh, I see everybody out there fanning yourselves. Our new building will have air conditioning. Okay, only three of you care about that. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it will have air conditioning and nice heating. Okay, and so it's going, to be, it's going to be warm in the winter and cold in the summer. Uh, if you saw our Facebook post, I, I put something up there. And I, the title of our sermon is A Journey of Hope and the Future. And this series is called A Journey of Hope. And for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the journey of life. We're going to talk about the, the hope that we have on this journey. But I want to make a statement, and it's on the Facebook page, and I, I couldn't get it in your notes because your notes are already done. But I want you to write this down. I want you to write this down, if you would, please. And that very simply... In your notes, and write it at the top of your notes where you can see it comes together. Life is a journey, and we hold the map. You see, our destination, Jesus paid the price for 2,000 years ago, but yet we're the ones that are still in charge of our destination because we still have to make a choice. We still have to make a decision of following Jesus. And, and I am a leader Leadership is a privilege, yet leadership is a responsibility. That's why I call leadership the privilege of responsibility. Because not only can I teach you what to live or how to live, I have to be an example of that. Because 
we understand very clearly that we teach what we know. I, I, I like Jimmy, I've listened to great oratory eloquence from people, but then I've read their life. I remember I was pastoring in, in Tyler, Texas, my very first pastorate back in, back in the early 80s, and I was pastoring back there uh, as a senior pastor of a startup church, and much like this, my wife and I started that church from scratch, the same thing we did here two years ago, or six years ago. And I'm preaching, and all of a sudden, this incredible book on leadership came onto the shelves, and it happened to be written by a local pastor there in Tyler, who I happen to know very well. And I'm reading the book and thinking, I don't know where he got this book, but this sure the heck ain't him. And God spoke to me. And he said, it's easy to put it on pages. It's another thing to put it in the pulpit and live it in the life. You teach what you know, but you reproduce what you are. By God's grace, I'm striving to reproduce leaders at Victorious Life, not just for Victorious Life. We've had people that have been in this church that, that developed, and I hear stories of them in other churches in town now, doing things, sharing things. In your notes, the privilege of leading is taking people where they have never, where they may have never been to accomplish what they may have never done that they can see what they may have never seen. You see, as a pastor, I have but one objective, and that's to create and bring about positive change to develop and institute or initiate growth, direction, and vision in people's life. Over the next few weeks, I am going to take at least one, if not two, of these sermons and I'm going to teach you how to find the call of God in your life. I'm going to teach you how to see the vision that God has ordained from the foundation of the world for your life. You say, well, Pastor, how are you going to do that? I'm going to share with you what God's Word says. I'm going to teach you what God's Word says. But remember, life is a journey, but you got the map. you got to decide which turn you're going to take. Whether you turn onto that journey, you turn onto that road, or you stay on the road. You see, in short... My privilege is to bring people to a place of helping them to see something bigger than they are. And with God's help, to see that something come to pass. Quickly this morning, Hebrews chapter 11 is in your notes. By faith, Abraham, say that with me. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out to a place which he'd receive an inheritance, he went out, listen to this, not even knowing where he was going. There's so many of us that have to have it all. You know, all the dots dotted, all the T's crossed before we even step out to do what God has called us to be. But the Bible says Abraham didn't even have a clue. God just said go and he went. Marissa was talking about involvement. And she made the statement, love you sis, but I disagree with. If you're interested in the children's ministry, if you're not interested in it, if you get involved in something, you know what God can do? If it's not the right something, He can change you to the right something. It's like the old adage, I'm old enough. I was talking to a, a gentleman that's here this morning. We're both old enough to remember when cars, if you bought a car, power steering was an option. How many of you remember those days? Power steering, what is that? Okay, yeah, well, that's... Power steering was an option. I used to call it steering by Armstrong. 
You know, you had to. If the car was sitting still, that's what you had to do. You had to. Yeah. But you know what? The moment you got that little car moving, you could take a finger and turn it anywhere you wanted to go. Same thing with God. For God to get some of us to do anything, he's. Well, I'm waiting on God. You got it wrong. God's waiting. <laughs> and God says, get involved. Well, it's not, it's not really my interest. That's okay. If you get in something, God will help you do everything. Not knowing where he's going. Say this with me. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents, Every place that Abraham stopped, every place he dwelt, he dwelt there as if he knew this isn't where he was staying. That's why the Bible said he never built a home. You never read anything about Abraham building a home. He always stayed in a tent with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of the same promise. Why was this? And I want you to look at me. Take your eyes off your nose. Look at me for a second. Do you know why this was? Because they knew this earth wasn't their home. They knew this life they were living was only a precursor to the life that they were going to live. You see, the word life in today's living is just a matter of breathing oxygen, going to work, doing your 8 to 5, coming home, raising a family. But ladies and gentlemen, one day we're going to understand life. Can somebody say amen? Because Jesus wants to birth that life. They knew this, how, this, this earth was not their home. So look what it says in the scripture. They were waiting for the city whose foundations and maker was God. So many of us in our lives, we settle. Oh, we buy a house, we get a car, we raise a family. But are we really plugged right into what God... See, life is a journey. It's a journey of hope. And you have a future. I just want to plug into that future. Can somebody say amen? Let me take you into the future by going into the past. And this is going to involve my wife and I. But it's going to involve all of us. Six years ago, we began this journey. It's called Victorious Life Christian Center. And many times I felt like Abraham. I do what I know I'm supposed to do, but I never quite feel at ease because I know there's something more. There's something more. There are times when, when God does something in our church, does something in the life of somebody, and my heart just leaps because I see the something more that God is doing. And this journey, ladies and gentlemen, has been amazing in many different ways. It's been full and fulfilling, to say the least. And God has been doing great things. This afternoon, this journey, as we branch out into a new section, a new turn on this journey. We're going to go over to our new building. Oh, it's not a new building, but it's new to us. And we're going to, we're going to anoint it through prayer and writing scriptures and doing different things. You see, God continually opens doors of opportunity and he is waiting for you and I to seize the moment. Capra de Seize the moment. 
before it is too late. While I was up at the reservation this past week, I've had a heart for the world. I've, by God's grace, I've been to 36 different nations of the world. But this is the first time I've ever preached to the Navajo Nation. The first time that international missions has not taken me across the shores of America. I have traveled a million plus miles doing missions work. But God began to open my eyes and say, what about the mission field in your backyard? You've preached about it. So we're going to make the Navajo Nation a huge part of our missions work. There is an opportunity. Come on, give him praise. There is an opportunity that God has opened. And we need to take advantage of that door before it opened. I remember reading about Napoleon Bonaparte. Some of you will remember him as the great uh, French revolutionary, if you will, or leader of many, many, many years gone by. And, and Napoleon, he met at a conference and he began to discuss the problems of the armies uh, of Napoleon uh, heading across Europe during the summer heat. So he proposed a great idea. He said, we will plant shade trees along the roads across this continent. The ministers looked at each other and said, Imperior, that will take 30 years. And Napoleon replied, you're correct. That's why we must begin immediately. We must begin to take advantage of the doors that are open. God has told us there's not a moment to waste. Every day, every time, every way. Life is a journey, but we carry the road map. Our life, your life, my life is a journey of hope, and it's a journey of the future. And you and I want to fulfill that hope and future that God has set before us, have we not? For what God is going to do. Can somebody say amen? Let me go back to our text. Through our future, though, excuse me, our future will not become reality in a moment. We must be willing to begin the process. Your life, you might have been saved for a long time and you've just been going to church. Say, God, Pastor, Pastor, what do I do? God, what do I do? And God has put it straightly out in front of us, but because of all the distractions, all the deterrence in the world, we have missed it. We begin that process or that hope, if you will, that Abraham said. You know, the Bible tells us that against hope, Abraham believed hope. See, he knew he served a God that spoke those things that were not as though they are. In the book of Hebrews, the Bible says that Jesus, for the hope that was set before him, some translations say the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the same. God tells us that the journey must begin in your life and in mine. And you say, well, Pastor, I believe I'm on that journey. I believe I'm doing what God wants me to do. Wonderful. Second part of our notes here says, it's not been an easy journey, has it? You've had a few pitfalls along the way. You've had a few struggles. There's some of us that we've lived for God today and we backslid tomorrow. What's that word backslide mean? It just means you went back to where you came out of. But you know what the Bible says? God is married to the backslider. He is the prodigal father always waiting, always waiting for his children to come home, 
always waiting for his children to come home, praying, watching, always for planning. You see, whether it's church or whether it's your individual life, our church and our people are believing for an incredible future. Yet some have shaken their heads at, say, at statements, at, at, at the vision that God has set before us and say, is it possible for God to do? Is it possible for God to give people a city? This city of Flagstaff, this city on a hill has been, has been uh, thrashed around over and over. I've talked to uh, senior pastors in this town. I've got three uh, dear friends in the pastorate, Joe Whitinger, Mike Tenpenny, and Jim Dorman, some of the names you know. And I've talked to all of them about how Flagstaff has eaten up and chewed and spit out churches. He's telling me they can't tell you how many churches have, have began in Flagstaff only to have the enemy bring them to desolation. You see, there's a purpose and there's a plan that you and I have to do. Your life will be filled with struggles. But the truth is, is that God's life living through you or are you trying to get God involved in your life? Because if it's the latter, it will lead to demise. But if it's the former, I want to get involved in what God is doing. God says the gates of hell will not prevail against his church, which is who you are, who I am. I read a story once about the dean of a church in Seville, France. And they gathered the people together on July 1491 and said to them, and I want you to hear what this pastor said, let us build a church so great that those who come after us may think mad those who have attempted it. The results was the great cathedral of Seville that many of us have probably seen over the years. A church so beautiful, so majestic, so magnificent. In Flagstaff, God's desire is to turn this mountain into a light on a hill. I have heard people tell visions of a fire flowing down from this mountain, flowing down the valley to affect areas around it, visions that God has given and that is something I believe God wants to do in your life and mine. But it's a decision that we have to say, God, our journey is your hope. Our future is your promise. And I'm not talking about just Victoria's life. I'm talking about your individual life. Sadly, too many of us are more inundated or more concerned about our future as far as what we are planning well, this is what I want to do. This is what I, 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 uh, I'm going to accomplish. This is the title that I'm going to have. Did you ask God about it? Did you ask God about it? Maybe that's not the title God has for you. Oh, yeah, but God will understand. He will, he will use it. Oh, yeah, God will use anything. He really will. He's used donkeys. He's used roosters. He's, he'll use anything. I mean, my goodness, he uses me. That was kind of an interesting chuckle there. It remains. It always, I've always believed that God has more for your life 
and my life than what we've already accomplished. God has a greater plan. And if we'll step out of what we desire and step into, God, what do you desire? I believe that those scales of confusion and disruption will start to fall back. And it remains to be in this belief that God has something more for my life, that you and I believe the one who speaks those things that are not as though they are. Can I hear you say amen? But let me share. It will not be without struggle. It will not be without difficulty. Why? Satan has never sat still and allowed any church or any person for that matter to continually step out and do the impossible without opposition. Satan's not just going to sit back and say, oh, no, oh, no, Victoria's life is in town. Oh, no, Pastor Philemon is in town. Oh, no, Pastor Tim, Pastor Ray, Pastor this, Pastor that. I remember as a young pastor when I went to Tyler, Texas, somebody would ask me when we started the church, you can hear the young pastoring. They would ask me, well, what's going to be different with your church in town? Well, when I came to town, God came with me. I've grown long past that. God, God was at Flagstaff long before I ever got here. Like I said, three, those three great men and other great men and women of God have done an incredible work. But the reality is what I understand is Satan is never going to stop doing what he's doing, even if we try to do what we're doing. First Corinthians 16, look what the Scripture says. There's a great and effective door open before me, but there are many adversaries. Galatians 4 how I now, or have I now become your enemy because I preach the truth? I can't tell you over the years because I'm not going to compromise God's word. I'm not going to worry about offending people. I'm not going to worry about you know, doing different things. I'm going to preach God's word. And because I do that, I have become the enemy of many people. You notice I didn't say I'm their, I'm their enemy or they're my enemy. I become their enemy. For what? For preaching the truth. I learned a long time ago, ladies and gentlemen, the truth is what sets you free. Not thus saith Tim Masters or thus saith somebody else. It is the truth of God's word. Paul's writing, he said, have I become your enemy for the truth? But listen what he says. There's people that are zealous to win you over, but for no good. They want to alienate you from me, from us, so that they, that you may be zealous for them. And look what he says here. He says, it's okay to be zealous as long as it's for good, as you read it in context, as long as it's for God's purpose and not man's. I've never been interested in filling pews. I want to populate heaven. And the only way I can do that is by preaching the truth. I wish I could sit here and say that I've made all the right choices, though, that every decision I've ever made has been, thus saith the Lord, and completely correct but it just hasn't. I'm as human as anyone in this room. I make mistakes just like anybody in this room, sometimes more often, because the Bible tells us to whom much is given, much shall be required. And because there is much required in our human efforts, sometimes we miss what God said and do what we said. Can somebody say amen? See, as I've preached over the years, I've always believed that nothing happens in God's kingdom for nothing. I believe everything we do for the glory of God. If you're going through struggles and you're living for God, you're purposing to be everything God wants you to be, let me tell you something. Nothing will ever touch you 
it doesn't first touch your father. He allows what is happening if it is bringing glory to him. I've made this statement many, many times over the years. It's one that Charles Spurgeon said. It's a very simple statement that whenever you can't trace God's hand, you can always trust God's heart. Let me wrap this up this morning. It's time that we walk into our future as a body, as a people, but as an individual in your life and in my life. Years ago, when I first came to Flagstaff, and my wife and I felt the Lord said it's time to start a church. This is not our first rodeo. I've started four churches before this in the same way in various different places, different states. Say, Pastor, what's, what's going to cause you to leave here, God? What's going to cause you to stay here, God? I have no intentions of leaving. I mean, I'd love the Lord to take me home, but other than that, I, I don't have any intentions of leaving. But the future that God has, in a vision he gave years ago, he, he told me, he said, as we came to Flagstaff, God opened the door of the, the hotel we started in. Then God opened the door for this building. And this building has grown immensely, and God has done great things in the last six years. But one of the things that we were doing when we started the church is we were uh, asking God, what can we do to make a difference in the city? You see, ladies and gentlemen, the church doesn't make a difference in a city unless the church gets outside of the walls. Can I say that again? A church will never make a difference in the city unless the church will get outside of its walls. And in the midst of it, I was praying, saying, God, what can we do? You know, outreaches. So we, we developed what we called our life team, and we're hoping to get that restarted again. The word life means living in fields of eternity. Laborers. Thank you. It was an acronym my wife came up with. Laborers in fields of eternity. Because that's what we are. The back wall tells us what our purpose is. John four thirty five. You are now leaving this place and entering into the harvest field. And the field is ripe already for harvest. God gave me this vision and said, if you'll take worship into the heart of Flagstaff, I'll give you Flagstaff. Now, once again, it's not giving victorious life, not just giving us, but giving me the passion of my heart, and that's to reach the lost. I love what Marissa was saying. We're going into a community that people are going to be walking to church. People are going to be coming by the droves, and there'll be children, many times without parents. And I, I am looking forward to the opportunity that God is giving us there. But God said, if you take worship to the heart of Flagstaff, I'll give you Flagstaff. So immediately... We took our worship service. I got, uh, I got uh, permits, and we went downtown to Heritage Square. I figured, my goodness, downtown must be the heart of Flagstaff. So I went to Heritage Square, and my, my wife and our worship team, we went to Heritage Square. And, and for five or six Saturdays in, of a five-month period, we did worship every Saturday morning in Heritage Square. Oh, it was wonderful. The next year, we wanted to go back and do it again. The city wouldn't give us a permit. Too many complaints. I guess if we were playing Eagles or Led Zeppelin or, or ZZ Top, they'd probably let us back in there, but we weren't. We were playing Jesus. And so we couldn't go back. They said, we can come in Sunday night. Well, guess what? There's nothing open on Sunday night downtown Flagstaff. Nobody walking around. 
And so I said, okay, God, well, praise the Lord. We did what you said. We took worship to the heart of Flagstaff. And as, and as time went on, we did outreaches in the, in the, uh, uh, the Flagstaff uh, parade. We've done different things, and God's done great things. And I'm still in the back of my mind thinking, okay, God, what is, what is... So we started looking at this new property. Last year, God spoke to me in May and gave me a word, transition. Earlier this year, he gave me the word shift. So we're transitioning, and we've been doing that. We've been transitioning all kinds of different things. Now we're shifting. And I'm trying to get a hold of God. God shifting. Give me some understanding. And God brought me back to remind me of that. I was talking to somebody a couple months ago. And they said, Pastor, do you realize that the 4th Street Corridor is the center of Flagstaff? The 4th Street Corridor is the center of Flagstaff. You know where our church is going to be? Right on the corner of 4th and 7th, the 4th Street Corridor. God said, if you bring worship to the heart of Flagstaff, I'll give you Flagstaff. Folks, is this, is this, all I know is it's time to walk into our future. See, faith, the Bible says, is hearing from God and believing what God has said. That's what Abraham did. He searched for a place whose maker and builder was God. And then with the right attitude, listen to this, then with the right attitude of heart, trusting God the Lord, and this is the part that gets most of us, despite cost to ourself. As I've already shared, the devil will not allow anything just to happen. As Abraham, I have but one desire as a pastor, and that's to find a city, not a place per se, but rather a decision of heart that nothing but God's will will matter. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. I think if God would have told me that I would have gone through the struggles that I've gone through in my life, I might have sat back and said, God, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure if this is what I want to do. And I think what it is is because God wasn't interested in what I wanted to do. He was interested in what he wanted to do. You see, God has a way of getting the right things to happen at just the right time. I shared the story of what happened to the missionaries in India. But I'm going to share another true story. Well, it's actually Indian, American, Native American Indian legend of a chief that was looking for a new place for his tribe. The legend goes on that there was a chief that they had their tribe camped at the base of a mountain. He was old. He was dying. So he summoned his three sons together. and He said, I'm about to die, and one of you will succeed me as chief. He said, I want you to climb our holy mountain and bring back something beautiful that one, the one whose gift is the most outstanding will become the new chief. Well, each son immediately set out on their journey to discover the thing that would resonate with the chief, exemplifying the future and the promise he was hoping to see. Can I tell you that some are sitting here in the sound of my voice. You've been hoping, you've been watching, you've been waiting, but God says, have you been actually pursuing God's passion to accomplish what his plans are? 
After several days, the sons returned. The first one brought a very rare and extremely beautiful flower from the top of the holy mountain. The second son brought a stone that was colorful and smooth, having been rounded by the rain and the wind. Well, after watching the first two sons, the third son came before his father and said, Father, I have brought nothing back. And the father looked. The two other sons looked. And then the son started to proclaim, Father, as I stood on top of our holy mountain, I I saw that the other side was a place of beauty, a land filled with green pastures and a crystal lake. And it was then that I had a vision where our tribe could go for a better life. He said, I was overwhelmed with what I saw and I could not even imagine what I could possibly bring back that would be of greater beauty than to take our place in a new land. Well, with this, the old chief said, my son, you shall be our chief because you have brought us the gift of the vision of a greater future. Ladies and gentlemen, on the screen, I've got some simple things that I want you to see. As a pastor, I have very simple responsibilities, three of them that I'd like to list, and hopefully it goes up there correctly. Nope, we're not there. It should be in your notes there. It's the line that says, as a pastor. Yes, thank you. Number one, my first responsibility is to feed you well. That's my first responsibility from the table of God's word. It is not to pick and choose. Say, well, I I think if I do this, you know, we'll probably get some people. If I get that, then we'll probably have the chairs filled. Or if we do this, we might have the coffers filled with a few more dollars. My job is not to pick and choose. My job is to hear from God and to bring good food from the table of God's word. My second responsibility, very simple, is to take you into the best pasture that I can find for you. A pasture is just simply a place to worship, a place to go to, that we can have a gathering. And the third responsibility is this, to lead you into the best future that I possibly can. You see, as I shared just a minute ago, the true future of victorious life does not resist or does not reside in four walls. It is you taking the message of Christ, the message of hope, the message of future, the message of a journey to the highways and to the byways. You see, that's truly when we become what God has called us to become. I love you, but until it gets beyond you, you're not doing what God said. It's not about your career. It's not about your job. It's not about your future. It's about God's kingdom. Are you okay with me? When Jimmy and I were up at the the Navajo Nation camp meeting this past weekend, I wrote back and forth to him a little bit and said, Jimmy, great job. And he said some kind words to me. And then we said to each other, we remember it's all about him, not us. It's all about him, not us. And ladies and gentlemen, when Victorious Life truly understands it's all about him and not us, 
then we will be the church that God has called us to be. Can somebody say amen? We are to build God's kingdom, which means people have to mature. People have to grow up. This is what it's all about. While we build God's church. What's, one is talking about maturity, building his kingdom. One is talking about spirituality. means building his church. Helping us to understand we live in a spiritual world. We're going to deal with spiritual issues. And the devil is going to use anything to bring us down. You see, it will take, and this is another breakdown. I know, Delandria, you're trying to follow me and you're doing an awesome job, sis. You're doing an awesome job. But it will take all of us doing our part. Now, look at this. I broke it down specifically in your notes, our part physically. That means we have to get involved physically. We have a building over there. Somebody asked me yesterday, well, Pastor, I know the owner of the building is requiring all these licensed people. What can we do? I said, you can go see uh, Bill Weaver. Stand up, Bill, will you? You know him I know already. But tell Bill, I got the ability to do this. I got the ability to do that. I got the, and you know what? He'll probably let you roll up your sleeves and come work under his license. I was going to say, as long as you know how to run a saw or a hammer or something and not lose a finger or something, you know, okay, but you can talk to him. See, we have somebody inside of our church who is the GC, who has taken care of the oversight. You can become physically part. You see, it will all take us doing our part. Second thing is spiritually praying, saying, God, you know, you know that there is great doors of opportunity open before us, but there are many adversaries. Is that out there? Can you put, is the second one up there? Uh, Praying, spiritually praying. There you go. The third one is mentally. This is us doing our part. What do you say mentally? Speaking against the naysayers. Speaking against, oh, it can't be done. Or that's not a good place. Or, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, folks, it's not going to stop. It's never going to stop. We have to mentally take assent and saying, God is building this place and the gates of hell will not prevail. Can you say amen? Emotionally is the next part. What do I mean by emotionally? Very simply is continually encouraging each other, encouraging each other to do all that's set. The next one is financially. It means exactly what it means. Giving. We're at 142,000 on our screen. We set a calendar of 195,000 uh, for this particular project. And it is go, it is, it is getting there. It is getting there. Can you say amen, Bill? <laughs> or owe me, whichever it is. We need people to be financially giving. Me, giving. And the last thing is socially. What, is, what do I mean by socially? Spreading the word of excitement all over the community known as Flagstaff, that God is doing a great work. And you see, this is all our part to step into the future that God has for us. As the worship team comes, as we stand on the top of this mountain called Flagstaff, I believe it's time for us to step into the hope of God's future for victorious life. But beyond the church, there are some of you that have been standing right at the right at the base of the crest of the mountain. What do I got to do? 
there's a place called a step of faith where you step out that God can step in. Where you decide to do something you've never done that you can be what you've never been and go where you've never gone. The future that God has placed for us is in each one of our hearts as a church, as a people. But listen to me, life is a journey. You're the one that holds the road map. It's time to be like Caleb and take the mountain. It's time to be like Abraham and find the place that God has. No matter where you've been, listen to this, no matter where you are, it is God and God alone that can get you where you're going. This one thing I know about dreams and visions, and I put this in your notes, so look into it. You cannot have good ideas until you have a lot of dreams. And in reality, the best dreams happen when you look at life with eyes wide open. Somebody asked me one time, what's a genius? What I believe that a genius is is someone who aims at something that no one else can aim at and hits it. I don't grieve, ladies and gentlemen, because my dreams have all not come true. I rejoice because many of the nightmares I've had haven't come true either. But I realize that all a dream is is simply, or all a goal is, the goal of what God is doing in Flagstaff is a dream with a deadline. And you and I are now approaching that deadline, that time of transition. And once we arrive at our destination, it will be time to shift into high gear to see all that God has set before us to take the mountain that he has set us upon. Can I hear you say amen? That's all I have to say this morning. God has a journey of hope and a future for your life as an individual, our life as a church. God says, will you jump in? Will you step in to see what God is doing? As the words to the song go on the screen, I want you to understand that God is the one that has opened the doors of opportunity and promise for you and I to walk into. And in His hands are fullness of glory, fullness of joy. And that's what God wants you and I to get into His hands. Get into His hands. We make our plans, but God said he directs our steps. So let's make sure that our plans are his plans, that we can step into what he's done. Amen. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.